0: We all have questions. Questions like, why is it called a building if it's already built? Why is there no egg in eggplant? And do penguins have knees? But some questions are more important than others. A couple weeks ago, we gave a survey to find your most asked questions. Questions like, how do I hear God's voice? How can I deal with difficult people? What does the Bible say about forgiveness in heaven? And what's the answer for all of my stress? Every week we are going to answer your most asked questions and discover God's best plan because you asked for it. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Do you all stand with me? Let's recite together the Apostle Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to see you all here today. Everyone watching us online in Appleton and Stevens Point. Speaking of Stevens Point, all you guys at Stevens Point, do you guys not just love Pastor Bob Cole? I mean, serious. Let's give him a hand here. You guys don't know him, but we'll... Yes, he's awesome, man. I, I, I had some, some good talks with him this, uh, this week. He's great. He's just, man, he loves that campus. He loves you guys, and he's just such a selfless guy. I mean, in fact, I think it's awesome that today, after service, he said he was willing to wash all of your cars for free by hand. Uh, he didn't really say that, but don't let them know that. Uh, anyway, cool. So it's glad you guys are here with us. Uh, today is uh, missions... Uh, Is it a mission Sunday? I'm sorry. They just told me to say something. I'm trying to remember what they told me to say. Uh, We have a missions update, though, from our team in Myanmar. And so let's go ahead and uh, look at that. Hey, good morning, Celebration Church. I hope you're having a great service today. There are 29 of us from Celebration Church, from the Stevens Point campus, the Green Bay campus, and the Appleton campus. We are here at Love Children's Home. Does everyone want to say hi? Hi! and it's great to be with you and uh, we are having such a great mission trip. Uh, We've got a medical team, a construction team we just uh, saw the Deborah Ann Gunger Music Hall the medical clinic's going to be going we're building things and having a ton of fun with the kids so thanks for what you do with missions. You're making a huge difference on the other side of the world and we'll see you next Sunday. (laughs) That's awesome. Cool, looking forward to going there as well. My dad and I are gonna go there in December to see the Deborah Ann Gunger uh, Music Hall, which is very cool, yeah, awesome. All right, so today we are starting a series titled You Asked For It, which in case uh, you didn't know, You Asked For It, that phrase actually has two definitions according to the idiom dictionary. Uh, The first is something you requested, right? Uh, The second is a punishment you deserve. (laughs) So, depending on how this goes, uh, no. uh, So, obviously, of course, you know, uh, we're gonna be speaking about how to succeed in your relationships. Because of definition number one, you did request this. This was something that we got uh, a lot of questions about. How to succeed in your relationships. And um, now, when I first thought of this, you know what I'm gonna say, the the very first thing I thought of was, this is my chance to finally do a nautical theme um, sermon. You're thinking, what are you talking about? Well, I have this condition, that I'm constantly trying to make smart aleck jokes about just everything. Uh, they do, they got some words for it. Actually, my teachers used to call it um, oh, disruptive and, uh, and not helpful. Uh, often would let me go to the principal's office so he could explain it to me. Uh, so, so anyway, every time like, we're in our pastor's meeting and we bring up one of these words like relationship or leadership or anything with the suffix ship, my brain immediately thinks, perfect opportunity to do a nautical theme uh, sermon. I've been trying to convince my dad of this for years. Like, Dad, come on, like, on leadership, you can dress up like a pirate, get like a trained <laughs> parrot to sit on your shoulder. We can build some sets up here and you can be, come on, let's go take a ride on your leadership, you know? And then you go over and talk about that. And uh, he would always tell me it's, um, uh, that's being disruptive uh, and not helpful. Uh, so, so, okay, I, uh, I understand that. Um, But, uh, anyway, I still put together this little video to start things off with. How to succeed in your relationships. Okay, there. That was mostly for my father, because of definition number two, a punishment he deserves. He had to have known after all these years of me teasing him that I was gonna throw in something nautical theme. Okay, but now that I'm being disruptive and not helpful, uh, let's kick into how to succeed in your relationships. Um, now, I'm gonna be speaking about relationships, you know, when I first thought of this, like relationships, like friendships, what kind of relationships? And uh, they said, whatever you think. So uh, I thought, well, okay, we talk, talk mostly about marriage relationships, so I kind of started there. And you know, I started to think, I'm like, man, there's so many tools, so many things you can do to to help with your relationship and communication and different things like that. And and I thought, well, shoot, you know, I mean, we do laughter to a better marriage is six hours of stuff, and it feels like you just scratched the surface. So here I've got, you know, 30 minutes and it's counting down quickly on me. Obviously I can't go through all of that. So I thought and I thought, you know, the one thing you have to have before any of those other tools and and words of advice will work in a relationship and in any relationship, is this. It's number one, is you have to make sure you are emotionally whole and healthy. Step one. In other words, I like to call it, you need to be complete. I think, what do you mean by be complete? You guys remember that uh, movie, Jerry Maguire? Yeah, starring Tom Cruise? Which, if I were doing a nautical theme, what a great reference to a guy with the name Tom Cruise, right, I mean? <laughs> see, this is what's going on in my head as I'm doing this, all right? I just, Uh, Let's take a ride on you old Tom Cruise. Okay, no. So we got Jerry Maguire, and he is, uh, if you haven't seen it, he's this sports agent, and he uh, quits his job, and he's going to go off and try and start his own business, you know, kind of a fighting the big guy, David versus Goliath kind of thing, and uh, towards the beginning of the movie, he falls in love with this girl played by Renee Zellweger, and he uh, marries her, and now... Uh, the rest of the movie is basically him chasing after you know, his, his dream. He's trying to, trying to win this big accomplishment with his job, trying to grow this deal. And during that, uh, him and his wife, they kind of fall apart, right? And so anyway, at the end of the movie, uh, he finally gets his big victory. And he wins this thing, and everyone's standing there clapping. And then, you know, you see him, and he realizes, I'm missing something, and so then it's like clips of him running back home, which if you've ever watched a Tom Cruise movie, you notice he always runs. So even this one, he's running through the airport. He gets back, and he gets to his home, and he kicks open the door, and there's a bunch of ladies in his, uh, the living room. They had like this bitter old wives club <laughs> talking about how they hate men, you know, and things. So he walks into this, and he goes, where's my wife? And Renee Zellweger pops up behind the lamp and then he goes on and he goes on to tell her how I had a huge win today and I accomplished what I went after, but there was something missing. And then further on in the speech, he goes on and he says the famous line of, you complete me. Complete me. everyone knows this. And all the romantics are like, oh, it's so beautiful. And she says, stop, you had me at hello. <laughs> now that is a very romantic line, guys, I'm not gonna lie. And ladies, if you think how come my husband doesn't say romantic things like that to me, is because he doesn't have a team of writers who spend two years working, uh, working on it, okay? <laughs> we just gotta work off, You know, we're, he's got help, we just gotta do it on the fly. But you complete me is a very you know romantic thing to say, but if you honestly believe that you are an incomplete person that cannot be whole and cannot be happy unless you find someone else, you're gonna be miserable. So you can say you complete me, but you don't think, take that literally. All right, that'd be like you calling your spouse honey and then telling people, literally, she's made out of honey. Okay, you know, sweet cheeks. I'm serious. I think if I took a bite of her cheeks, they'd taste so sweet. Like, no, that's psychopathic, okay? Don't believe that stuff. Uh, So if you go into a relationship thinking, I can't be whole, I can't be uh, happy unless this person makes me happy, you're going to be miserable. You need to go in complete, you know, there's a, a guy, his name's Dr. Les Parrott. He has this great quote. He says this. He says, if you try to build intimacy with another person before you've done the difficult work of getting whole, all of your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. You hear that? If you try to build intimacy with another person, so any relationship, before you've done the difficult work of getting whole, all of your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. You need to get whole first. There's another uh, author, uh, Reverend Mark Gunger, if you've heard of him. In his book called Finding the One, he writes this. He says, if you are a lonely, empty, miserable soul that marries, you will remain a lonely, empty, miserable soul. Marriage was never intended to fix that. Now listen, marriage does make you a better person. It really does, if you go in healthy and you allow it to mess with you in the good way. You know, the truth is, studies show that people who are married, are healthier, they make more money, they enjoy life more, they literally (laughs) live longer than their single counterparts. You know, and this is scriptural. I mean, in Ecclesiastes uh, 4, starting at verse 9, you know, talk about two are better than one. It says this, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? In other words, how can your wife possibly warm her freezing cold feet if she does not stick them on every warm piece of exposed skin that you have? My wife and I just went through this yesterday. Uh, (laughs) Am I kicking her feet off of me? I'm under the blanket so I can be warm. Not so you can warm me. Anyway. Ladies, you can quote that scripture back to your husbands. It says, though one may be overpowered, Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, marriage does make you better. It can make you better. But you have got to go in whole. You have got to learn how to complete yourself first before you go into it. Because the truth is marriage is really a mirror. And to quote the Reverend Gunger again in his book, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, (laughs) He writes this, he says, marriage is a mirror. By living so closely with another human being, you start to get a picture of what you really look like. You start to see where you need to adjust and change. This is why marriage is so effective at making people's lives more rich and productive if they adjust to the needed change. So in other words, you go into a marriage. Sure, we've all got problems, right? I mean, you can go back and look at 20-year-old Phil versus 40-year-old Phil, and I have made some progress. Maybe it's been small and incremental, but there has been progress, right? Just go look at the apartment that Pastor Bob and I used to have when we were 20 years old. Um, We cleaned, you know, every two to three months. uh, We cleaned, yeah, and it wasn't like, oh, so you just tidied up, no, we didn't do anything for a couple of months. We are, yeah, it was rough. Uh, I'm not quite sure why my wife can... Decided to marry me after I invited her over to my apartment. Uh, we didn't even own a vacuum cleaner. Like, we had to go borrow one from the neighbor. <laughs> Which our neighbor thought, like, is the only time you vacuum when you borrow my vacuum cleaner? <laughs> huh, what? No, I no, don't. Yeah. Uh, but no, I've gotten much better. I've gotten, she's trained me better in that. I've uh, learned how to communicate with people better and uh, to listen a little bit better. Uh, still got a long ways to go, but marriage does make you better. The problem is uh, many expect marriage to be something that makes you look better, not something that reveals where you don't look so good. That's where the whole analogy of the mirror comes in. So for example, you go into marriage, uh, marriage uh, and you see this mirror, you can see things, you know, like if you got up in the morning and had something stuck in your teeth, you look in the mirror, you say, oh shoot, I got that stuck in my teeth. Now if you expect that mirror to just make you look amazing no matter what you look like, you'll think you got a busted mirror. You go in and your hair looks awful, your shirt doesn't match, your fly's open, whatever it is, and you don't think, well, I need to fix myself. You think, well, stupid mirror, that's a problem. Quit showing that about me. You need to make me look good. And I know there's some of you that go into relationships and you are like that. You know, you're expecting everything to just change around you. You don't want to have to do the difficult part of changing first. So okay, so what are some of the things we can do to become complete? Very first thing you need to do is you need to realize that the only one who can make you whole is Jesus Christ. Your first step to becoming a healthy and whole person is to choose to follow Jesus, to stop living a life of sin, stop trying to do things your own way, but you need to surrender to God's will. And when you do that, everything changes. You are now filled with a hope and a joy that only comes through faith in Christ Jesus. There's like a joy you have that wasn't there before. Like in First Peter 1, uh, I mean, verse 8, he says this. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith and the salvation of your souls. So first thing you need is you need Jesus. The next thing after that is you now need to renew, excuse me, you need to renew your mind. You need to change the way that you think and about how does God want me to think. Alright, Romans twelve two says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you need to ask yourself, do I have self-focused thinking, or do I have a God focused mindset? In other words, are you training your brain to concentrate on things of God or are you letting it be consumed with how you feel? Because I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but one of the keys to succeeding in any relationship is to not let your feelings dictate what you do and how you act. Feelings are not your friend, all right? (laughs) Yet we live in a society that encourages you, you to always be honest with how you feel, right? Well, always be honest with how you feel. How do you feel, how do you feel? Now this isn't to say that there aren't certain things in a relationship that might need to be argued through and worked out, right, because you need to figure out the rules and the boundaries, but if you are basing every decision in your life and in your relationships based off of how you feel, you're gonna struggle greatly in your relationship. It doesn't matter if it's at work, if it's with family, if it's with friends, just strangers you meet on the street, There are some people, it's like they can't even meet a stranger without getting into an argument. Have any of you met any of those people? You ever just met a stranger, you don't know who they are, and they come up to you, and then they start talking to you about, can you believe such and such? Like, I have no idea who you are, and he's just gonna go and complain. It's like they're so desperate to find someone just to argue with and to complain about that they look for any stranger. It's usually when you pretend like you got a phone call, right, oh, sorry, I got this call, I gotta go away. You're crazy. Well, listen, this is why renewing your mind is so important. It helps us to get our focus off of how we feel that we should act and it gets focused on how God wants us to act. And see, Jesus understood this. This, this is why he, he was trained to teach this to us. You know, just look at the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about a bunch of subjects, right? Like murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, revenge, how to treat your enemies. And he hits these topics and he basically turns upside down the way that society viewed those things. You know, for example, we can see one here in Matthew chapter five in uh, verse 43, starting there, he says this. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. So he's saying, listen, society says, yeah, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, And everyone would go, yeah, yeah. He says, no, no. I'm telling you, you need to love your enemy. In fact, you need to pray for those who persecute you. And then he goes on to say this. He says, then you become like children of your father in heaven. You know, for example, um, you know, I have a father that most of you know here. And every time I finish speaking, I have one or two people. I'll say something on Facebook. You come up to me and say, oh my goodness, you sounded so much like your dad. (gasps) Oh, Did you know you sound like him? Yeah, it's called genetics. You know, I've actually had people ask me, are you trying to sound just like him? No, no, actually, I thought I was kind of sounding not like him for a little bit until you just said that. But there are certain things I get, there'll be certain things I do, certain things I say, and people who know Mark Dunker go, Oh, that's what he would do. Oh, he smiled like him. Oh, that's that's like as I kick this thing out, get a little excited, Phil. Oh, that that that's just like Mark, that you're like your dad. What Jesus is saying is when You love those who are your enemies. When you even go go beyond that, and you're praying for those who are trying to make your life miserable, then all of a sudden, people look and go, you you, you remind me me of God. that's, That's like God. See, when you do those things, you're actually looking like your father in heaven. That's how you know, ooh, that's what I need to act like. He goes on to say this, he, as an example. Jesus says this, uh, picking up in verse 46. Um, or sorry, uh, in, in uh, the second part, of, uh, in 45 there. Uh, he, he says that you may be children of your father in heaven. Because he goes on, he says, because he, uh, he causes, this is God, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, this is what God does. So when you start acting like that, and when you start thinking, okay. I know how I want to act. This person is driving me crazy. They're, I would consider what they're doing to me persecution. <laughs> right? I'm sure there's times that you are convinced your spouse is trying to persecute you. right? <laughs> they keep bugging you about something or something's going on. What you want to do is you want to get back at them. You don't want to pray for them. You want to be bitter. And you want to talk about what a jerk they are. And everyone you go around, you're say, like, oh, let me tell you what my idiot husband did. Yeah, let me tell you about my wife. Yeah, and you sit together and you just talk about it and talk about it. You spew all these things out. That is not healing. You think, oh, I'll get it out and then I'll be better. No, you keep the wound festering because you're saying it out of your mouth. You keep saying it out of your mouth and now you can't get it out of your mind. When in fact, when you think that and you think, man, I got a perfect opportunity right now to rip my husband apart. Instead, you say, ah, yeah, I love that guy. He's a great guy. You know, it might be hard for you to do, but you got to do it. In fact, if they're driving you so crazy, I encourage you to get alone in a room somewhere where you can pray out loud and you pray their name. And if Jim's driving you crazy, you say, God, I thank you for Jim. <laughs> if some of your husbands are Jim, this is not a word from God that I'm giving to you right now. It's just a name I picked. She's sitting there and Someone's getting elbowed right now. <laughs> he whips. God, just thank you for Jim. Thank you. So I just pray you bless him. God, I gotta love you. i just just the things he does in his life. You just bless him today. Spread your love on him. You're not feeling that. You don't feel like that. What you want to say is, Lord, will you please show Jim what an idiot he is? <laughs> and now he needs to stop doing all the annoying things that drive me crazy. Right? Because that's what we think. We think if we can just get the other person to change, then I'll be happy. Key to a successful re- relationship, don't always get the other person to try and change. See what you can do first. You know, when I was talking um, about this sermon and I was bouncing it off of uh, off my dad, I said, as I was going through, I said, you know what, One of the key to rela- uh, how to succeed in a relationship, the truth is it's, it's more about you and you need to change. But I feel like when people ask that question, they're thinking, how do I succeed in my relationship? In other words, how do I get that person to change? And he said, Phil, it's so true. He said, he's like, you know, when I get a couple together and I'm doing counseling, I'll have them rate their, their relationship on a scale of one to 10. 10 being great, one being awful. And he says, without a doubt, you know, there'll be one guy, like, let's, let's say it's the husband, for example, he'll say, well, I think the marriage is an eight. And the wife goes, well, I think it's a two. He said, she's the most upset. She's struggling the most with the relationship. And he says, almost 100% of the time, it's her that has the most changing to-do. And that's tough. That's a tough pill for us to swallow. But listen, you can't control other people. You can't. The only thing you can control is yourself. And how you do that is you've got to start getting your mind to stop acting and reacting off of what I think, what I feel. And you've got to get to the scripture and say, What does God want me to do? How does He want me to act? How does He want me to treat this person? This is why we encourage you to pray. This is why we encourage you to read your Bible. you got to get this stuff inside you. This is why it's a good idea to come to church like literally every Sunday. This is why we encourage growth track. It's right in the name. This is how you spiritually grow and we have a track to follow. We make it easy. But you got to get in this stuff to start changing your mind. You want to start seeing success in your relationships. Now, Um, there's some scriptures here. We got one in Romans 8, verse 5. It says this. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. You don't want to live by the flesh. You don't want to just be doing everything that you feel. You've got to change your mind. You've got to live by the Spirit. You've got to set your mind on that. Colossians 3, verse 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the The things that are above. Get your focus up there where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So see, you need to get yourself whole. You need to get yourself complete. If you are someone who would have wrote that question, how do I succeed in my relationships? You need to be looking at you. What do I need to do? And you need to be willing to say, God, mess with me. Change me. Help me figure out how you want me to act. Help me to figure out how to love this person that's driving me crazy. But he'll come in, I'll tell you. If you are honest with him, he will come in. He will come in and he will help you. And I'm telling you this, I've had to do this before. I've had to out loud pray people's names that I didn't even want to think about but they're driving me crazy. You ever been so upset before that like, you know, you, you, like, you kind of didn't quite realize how upset you were, but then you had a, like a dream and you just got super mad at that person and you remembered why you hate them so much and you like wake up in the middle of the night. Am I the only person? Is this me sharing with you guys? <laughs> it might just be me, okay. Uh, I've had this before, I just wake up and like I'm even more ticked now because I just had this dream <laughs> About this person. They didn't do anything more. It was in my dream. I was so upset and I have a tough time going to. I actually have to get up and I have to pray for them. And I just pray for them. And I might be doing it with gritted teeth. Dear Lord bless them. (laughs) I pray that your mercy shine on them, God. But I find when I start doing that, it starts changing me. And it starts messing with me. And instead of continuing to rehearse all those evil things that I'm thinking in my head, all of a sudden everything starts to calm down and things change. So you need to do this, and especially in your most intimate relationship, which which is with your spouse, you need to make sure, are you praying for them? Not just when they're just wonderful and you're loving them, but when they're driving you crazy. Or are you just always sitting there thinking like, I'm not gonna be happy unless you change. So how do I get you to change? Because the truth is, the miracle with God in our relationship with him is we can be happy even in miserable situations. Read the Bible, it's full of it. Jesus had some relationship problems. I don't know if you know that. That's how he ended up on the cross. One of his good buddies turned him in. I'd say if one of your friends right now tells someone to kill you, you are officially having a relationship problem. All right? <laughs> and how did he handle that? How did he treat them? He was always forgiving. Their sinner killed him, and he's saying, I forgive, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's the kind of attitude we need to have. We need to be complete, amen? Now, again, the step one of this thing is you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you were here this morning and you say, you know what, I don't know that I've got that. I don't know if I have that kind of relationship. I don't know. Some of you might be thinking, I'm not sure why I'm here. (laughs) Someone dragged me here or something. But if you're here this morning and you've never actually really made that commitment, that, that, that thing to say, yeah, I want that, I want to follow Jesus. I want to stop living life based off of how I feel. I want to stop living life based off of just what I think. And instead, I want to find out how God wants me to live. I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, I'm gonna just lead you here in a prayer in just a little bit. And if you pray this with me and you believe this from the bottom of your heart, that's the first step. Just to be honest and to say, Jesus, I need you. Amen. So if I could, just everyone just bow your heads right now. And I'll just ask everyone to repeat this uh, with me. And, and again, if, if, if this is you and, and you really mean this from the bottom of your heart, this is the start to a new life. This is the start to the path to having that joy that makes no sense, that peace that doesn't come from anywhere else other than God. So if you would pray this after me, just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. I freely choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, And help me to learn your ways. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, guys.